You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Let's get into this message this morning, all right? I'm going to talk to you today about the idea of overcoming fear. And um, I have become more and more convinced that fear is one of the big things that grips Christians. It grips everyone, but, but the enemy uses fear, and he uses it in, in many different ways, all right? So I want to talk a little bit about how we, as Christians, deal with fear. Maybe even bring out some understanding of what our fears might be. Actually putting some names out there, you know, lay some words out that will help us this morning. And um, as I got into this, I realized a number of things about myself. I realized a number of things about the church. Um, and I also realized that there's way more material here than I can cover in a Sunday adequately. So we may talk about fear again. I may even continue this message on until next Sunday as well. We'll see how it goes here this morning, okay? Uh, but this is something that really, uh, it's been on my heart for quite some time. And so I really want to give it justice here this morning. So I pray that you'll bear with me and that together we can look at this and look at what the Bible says about this whole thing of fear and that we can begin to rise up and come out of the places of fear that, uh, that are, are, are hitting our own lives. Okay, let's just pray right now together, please. Join with me in your heart. Father, I come to you this morning realizing that I am so so inadequate to speak in this area and I ask you for your help I confess that I am even fearful about preaching on fear and I ask you to help us that we will be able to let the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts the things that we need to hear and to understand today I pray God that your word would come alive in us today and in very powerful ways you would deal with the very core of our identity and our being. I pray, God, that where it is necessary, you will open our hearts to see the things that are there, that we may begin to wrestle with them and deal with them and come clean of them. I pray today for the freedom of every person in this room. I pray today that every person here would walk in a very wonderfully courageous and victorious life, we can only do that through you, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? We invite your presence into this place in manifest ways. We ask you to do miraculous things in each of our hearts and our minds today. And God, would you get the glory and the honor for everything that is done. Let this day be a day that I, as your servant, decrease in order that you may increase through me as your servant and that your will will be done according to your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when I was a little boy, very, very little boy, waking up in the middle of the night and crying because I was so afraid. And I remember nights where I would go to bed. I, I would hate for bedtime to come because I, would, I knew that as soon as I got in that bed and the light was turned out, that I was going to fight a battle. And it was a battle that was way too big for a little boy to fight because of the level and the magnitude of fear that was, would be gripping me. And so I would, I would fight going to bed. I would fight going to sleep. And there would be nights when I thought in my, my little mind that putting the covers over my head 
would protect me and whatever was out there would not be able to see me and maybe would not know that I was there. And I didn't even know what that out there was. I just knew that there was something because I could feel it inside of me. And so I would lay in, in my bed on hot summer nights in South Georgia and sweat. And I would lay there and I would put the covers over me so that only just a little bit of my mouth and my nose was outside of the covers and I could breathe the air. And the rest of me was covered up. And, I was, and then I would lay down at night and I, I would try to make wrinkles in, in the covers uh, so that it looked like my legs and my arms were, were wrinkles. And so if something came in to get me, it wouldn't recognize that I was up under those covers and it would pass me by and go on out the window. These are the kind of things that I struggled with as, as a little tiny boy. But I, I began to grow up and, and the fears began to change. I was still afraid of the dark sometimes. I'm 58 years old and I don't like to be in this room at 2 a.m. There are sounds in here. And they creep me out. And there are some nights when I'm in here and I came to pray and I, I was intent that I was going to spend a, a good solid amount of time in, in the wee hours to pray and my heart is ready, my spirit is willing, but all of a sudden I hear sounds in here and my flesh gets very weak and I pick up my, my bag and I head for my Jeep and I go home because I feel fear. Last night I got up in the middle of the night because I heard noises. I go downstairs and my son is packing a bag. I knew he was leaving and I figured it, I was hoping it was him. And so I, I go downstairs and, and he's down there and he's putting pants together and shirts together and he's all tired because he worked all evening and, and now he's headed to see a Vikings game. And so they're all getting their stuff together, him and some more guys. And I'm down there. I walk down there and I say, hey, how you doing? And he goes, I'm okay. And he's trying to, to put it all together because he doesn't do that very well, you know, like folding clothes and packing and those things because dad always used to do that for him, you know. But now he's a big boy and uh, he has to do it by himself, you know, and so he's trying to figure it all out. And I stood behind him and I was like, God, please, please, please keep him safe. And I said to him, please, Kalen, please be careful. Just be careful because I have fear that I'm going to lose one of my children. And Pastor Dave and I dialogue about this, and he has fear about, about the loss of one of his little girls. You know, it doesn't get any better, you know, when they're 19 and, and 20 and 24. And now I have a grandchild, and I, I worry about him if I don't hear from him. You know, I just, need to, I just need the phone to ring and hear him say, Hey, Papa. And then it's okay. But things go around in my mind. And my daughter's in Brookings this weekend with her girlfriends. Oh, my goodness. She left on Friday afternoon, and I was just beside myself. And I'm, and I'm driving the Jeep one way, and she's driving away in her CRV, and, and I'm going, God, please, please do not let anything happen to my daughter. Please. And I remember saying, God, I have faith. Come on, I have faith. And I don't know if I was really confessing that to God as a reality or I was giving some kind of positive confession to myself. But I want to have faith. I want to believe. And yet I'm, I'm crippled sometimes. I mean crippled with some kinds of fear. Are you all relating to my story and my walk? Because I think I'm part of humanity. You know, I'm part of the bigger picture here. And so this is something that we all 
we, we are prone to struggle and wrestle with fears. And, and there's fears of rejection, and there's fears of failure, and there's fears of success, and, and, and there, there's fears of being hurt, and there's fears of being shamed and humiliated, and there's, there's fears of, of loss, and there's fear of death, and there's fear of life, and there's fear of disease, and you know... There's been at least two times in my life where I just convinced myself I had cancer and I was dying. And my doctor laughs at me. He says, Bill, you're a mess. You're supposed to be a preacher for crying out loud. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, thoughts come into my mind and I suddenly start to entertain them and then there they are. And then there's fears about doing things for God. There's fears about obeying God. There's fears about following through on the things that God has said that I need to do. There's fears about this church. There's fears about this community that we're in. There's fears about our neighborhood. There's all kinds of fears and and they get very debilitating. Let me take you to the scriptures. And I want to begin with a passage that maybe will springboard off throughout this little message today and beyond, but it's 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. In this way, love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world, we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears... It's not made perfect in love. I want to use that as a springboard and I want to to make reference back to it from time to time. But there's something about this thing of love that we need to make sure we, we kind of get a hold of when we talk about fear. And I know that when we talk about dealing with things in spiritual warfare, we often talk about coming in the opposite spirit of what we are dealing with. If someone is dealing with greed in their life, and that is the spirit that is trying to, you know, consume them, this spirit of greed is on them, then the idea is that, well, now come counter that with generosity, give, so that you break the hold of that greed over you. So we we act in the opposing spirit of things, all right? So then what do we do with fear? What is the, what is the opposite spirit that we come in? Uh, and some would say, well, it's courage, it's, it's boldness. You know, the, don't be afraid, be, be courageous, be bold. And, and I would agree with that to a degree. But I think there's a, there's a place to go much deeper here when we look at this thing of fear. Because the Bible says that it is love, a perfected love, meaning a love that only comes from God. A perfected love drives out fear or cast out fear, depending on the translation you might read, okay? And there's these issues of, of, of where, where fear comes out of and all of that, all right? But the, the end of this passage says the one who, that, I, that I gave you, we love because he first loved us. And there's something about being sourced out of God, our spirit man and spirit woman, that makes a huge difference in how we live and and how we respond and even how we think. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the the, the thoughts and and the mind here shortly. But, But I think there's a real key here, a real connection between the love of God... That perfected kind of love and that love working in us and out of us 
that makes a difference in how we deal with fear and even how much fear is able to deal with us. And so I want us to, to, to be challenged by that, all right? We love because He first loved us. We have the ability to love out of the love that God has for us. And in that love, there is no fear. And that love does not come with punishment. But it comes with grace and it comes with mercy. And I'm afraid that for many of us, we don't know how to receive that kind of love. And we don't look at ourselves as worthy for that kind of love. And we actually see ourselves as punishable. Or we see ourselves as bad. And so we wrestle with this whole thing. Now, let's talk a minute about what fear does. And I want to take you to the Old Testament. I want to take you in the book of Joshua to do this. And I'm going to... I, listen, I'm by no means giving you all the scriptures on fear. I'm going to give you a number of scriptures today, but not anywhere near all the scriptures on fear. And so I really, I'm really challenging you that you get into the scriptures and you really do a study, a word study on fear. And, and that will, I think, help you a lot uh, as we move forward here. But Joshua chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, the Israelites, when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Verse 11. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. All right, can you, can you feel this, this like gripping fear here? All right, they're saying, hey, I, I heard about you. I heard about your God, Israel. I, I, I know that your God can do amazing things. And here's what happened. I heard this and then... Our hearts, when we heard this, our hearts melted in fear. Everyone's courage failed. This is what fear does. Even, even to stout-hearted people, even to strong people, fear comes in, and when fear comes in, and when fear can grip you, your heart will melt. All right? It, you, you lose heart. So fear has, if you will, a very debilitating aspect to it. And this is what I want you to understand because this is why it's such a tactic of the enemy. This is what the devil loves to use. He wants your heart to melt. He wants your courage to fail. Let's look at Joshua chapter 7, beginning at verse 4. There was about 3,000 that went up. They, they were men who went up and they were routed by the men of Ai. Now, the Israelites thought they were, I mean, they felt confident. They thought they were, you know, they, they had it. They killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slope. So there's, there's this, this chase happening and people are, are being struck down. They're, they're being killed. They're dying. At this, in other words, in the sight of all of this and the, and the word of all of this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Nothing. Water just oozes wherever and then dries into the ground and can't be seen. And that's the condition of the hearts 
of these Israelites. These people called by God to take the land. And suddenly something has happened here. And, it's, and, and, and their hearts are being hit hard. And I want you to understand that that is what the enemy does to you and I. He hits us in our heart. He hits us in that core place. And there he tries to debilitate us or paralyze us or, or, or whatever, all right? Now, let, let me take that a little bit further and let me talk to you for just a moment about... Uh, well, let me ask you a question. What, what does fear really give us? What, what's the fruit of fear in our lives, okay? And, and the way I want to do that is I want to I reference two particular things. First, I want to reference the 12 uh, spies that were sent out by Israel to, to scope out the land and see what was out there in this land that God had promised them, okay? So we're in the Old Testament. We're in the book of Numbers, about chapters 13 and 14, all right? And there are 12 spies that are sent out, and, and their mission is to scope it all out and come back with a report. Let us know what this land is inhabited by, what, what is out there in front of us, what is it that we're going to have to prepare ourselves for, okay? And so, if you will, why don't you turn with me to that passage. Take, take your Bibles and let's go to Numbers together, all right? And let's look at that. Numbers chapter 13 and 14. The report comes back and ten of the spies says, it's bad. It's bad. It, yeah, it, it does flow with milk and honey, but, oh, the land is... The, 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 there's giants there. There's, you know, there, there, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. You know? And so the people cry out and, and, and they're upset and, and they, they think that it would have been better to have died in, in Egypt. Fear will diminish the promises of God so dramatically in our lives if we're not careful. Fear will cause us to, to skew how we hear the promises of God. Fear will actually blind us to the promises of God. So I want to especially take note of chapter 14, and you get down to verse 9. The people rebel against this, this command to go in and take the land. And so Moses and Aaron, they, they just fall down on their face, and, and they're, they're, they're distraught. And, and Joshua and Caleb, they're upset because they have such a, 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 a faith that the promises of God are there. God said, go and, and take the land. And they believe that the promises of God are for them and that he would be faithful. And so as the people are rebelling, then this message comes to them from these guys. And they say, don't rebel against the Lord. Now listen to what else they say in verse 9. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. One of the great dangers, I think, of, of fear is that fear gets between us and God. And so we, we get consumed with fear. We get gripped with fear. And it, we have this inability then to connect rightly with God because of the fear. If it's allowed to grow and if it's allowed to, to, to prosper in our mind and in our heart, eventually the fear gets bigger than God. I think these guys are just saying, hey, don't let God get so small here. He's made us some promises and we need to stay faithful to the promises. 
I would like to say that to you and I as Life Church. Let's not let fear grip us. As, as we are called to, to share faith and, 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 and to reach out and to, to make an impact in our community, let's not let fear of certain things grip us so that God diminishes and fear becomes greater even than God. Let's make God as big as God is. And let's diminish the fears. And that may mean understanding them and, 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 and working through them, praying through them. Grabbing a hold of the, of, the, of the promises and such, okay? But, but I want you to understand. See what happened? They saw the giants in the land. They saw the thing, the obstacles that were out there. And those obstacles suddenly became much bigger to them than God. And so fear set in and they didn't want to take the land. Let's go over into the New Testament. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Run your fingers down until you find verse 24. Yes, verse 24. Now, this is, a, this is the, the parable of the talents. And one man came and he was, he was given uh, a number of talents. Another man comes and he's given talents. So, so one guy gets five talents. Another guy gets two talents. And then it comes down to this one guy who gets one talent. And then um, this, this man leaves on a journey... And he comes back. And the guy who has five talents, he's done stuff with it and, and made more. And so the, he's blessed. And, and, and uh, the, the guy says, you know, you did great. You did great. The guy with two talents he did more. You did great. You did great. But then let's pick up the story at verse 24. The man who had received the one talent came. And listen to what he says. Master, he said. I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And listen to what he says in verse 25. Here's his confession. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And we know the end of the story that he was judged based on his fear and that he produced nothing more for the owner. Here's what I want you to understand. Fear creates a deficit in our heart. It brings about loss. It may not necessarily take something away, but it will definitely keep you from doing all that you can do. And that is a loss. That is as great or sometimes a greater loss. It's one thing to lose something that you possess, but it's another thing to never possess what is yours and you have the potential to possess. And I think God oftentimes is much more interested in that that is in the future than what is in the past. And this is why Paul can say, this one thing I do, putting what is behind, I press on. There's potential out there in the future. All right? And so I, I want you to, to understand that, that in, in, in the system of value, in God's system of value, all right, fear always creates a deficit. And that deficit manifests in our hearts. It brings about some kind of loss. And here's the thing. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says to you and I, what? Anybody know? Guard your heart. Now, this is what it says about that. It says, above everything else. 
above everything else, guard your heart. Because out of it comes life. Comes life. This is why it's so important for you and I to stay in truth and allow truth to strengthen our hearts that we can thwart the message of the enemy that tries to take us down by instilling things like fear in our minds and in our hearts. You're renewed by the transformation of your mind. These are places where the enemy comes in. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just, just a minute here, okay? But, okay, so we have, we have this understanding now that, that fear creates a deficit, all right? I don't want anything in my life that is going to cause loss. Maybe that's just the way I am, and maybe that's the way I'm, 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 I'm geared, but I think that's the way God wants us to be as believers. Jesus said, I came to give you life, and that life, abundant, all right? Abundant and loss don't go together. They, they, they are opposed to one another. And so the intent of Christ is that you live an abundant life. And folks, if you are ruled by fear, you cannot live an abundant life. It will always be exacting. It will always be taking from you and I. All right? So what's the way out of fear then? All right? If we, if we understand that now and, and we accept that, that fear is not good for us, all right, what is the way out of fear? Let's, let's look at Psalm 27, verse 1. This is the Psalm of David, and it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There's something significant going on here in this message today. And that is the correlation between a relationship with God and an absence of fear. And the, the stronger we are in our relationship with the Lord, the less we're going to have to deal with fear in our lives. And so... I want you to understand that that's the way in, all right? Now, there, there are many things out there. Um, God bless all the people who try to help us, you know? I mean, we need help. But there are some places you don't need to go to to get your help. Any person, any book, any action, that will require you to skirt God to get your answer is not good for you. It's not good for you. So I want to challenge you and I that we, we start in this place of God. God and His love. All right, We start in this place to build our framework for how we deal with the issues that come into our lives. And so every decision that we make, all right, it's born out of this framework of God first and our dependency on Him. He's, he's the light. We sang about it. He's the light into our lives. He's our salvation. Because of that, we don't need to fear. That is a truth. And no matter what fearful thing comes into the path of our lives, it doesn't change the truth. We may not be living out of that truth, but it doesn't change that truth. The Lord is the stronghold. The Lord is, is, is the, 
the, the safety valve of our lives, if you will. So we don't have to be afraid. Now, let me just talk to you for a minute about a stronghold, all right? And I hope that this will be very, very helpful to you. I'm talking to you as believers. If you're not a believer, your experience may be a little bit different here, and I would love to, to dialogue that with you. And we're going to give you a chance to become a believer today, and that would be the most wonderful thing that you could possibly do in helping you to overcome some of the things that you battle in your life, all right? But here's what I want you to understand. If, you, if you're going to experience deliverance in your life, and I believe that's what God desires for every believer is that we experience deliverance, okay? We've got to remove all the things that defends the enemy. All right? Now, this means every spiritual fortress where the enemy or his legions can hide and are protected. All right? And, and I want you to understand something. And... and I'm, I'm, I'm open to dialoguing all of this with you, all right? <laughs> there are ways that you and I as believers can defend the enemy. We can build his fortress up, all right? These fortresses that I'm talking about, they exist and they thrive in the thought patterns and the mindsets of individuals, churches, communities, even nations. Let me give you an example. Oklahoma City. A city, one of the first in America that was hit by a, a, a home act of terrorism. Remember, a number of years ago, the bomb went off in Oklahoma City. Little children died as a result of that. Adults died. Oklahoma City has never fully recovered. There is a fear that grips the city of Oklahoma City because of this. And there are many, many people in this city whose lives are continually marked from that event. It's as though everything before that never happened. But all of life now is, is based on that particular event and moves from it. It's the only point of reference for some people. 9-11. As a nation, look at what has happened in America as we have tried to thwart terrorism. And the, and the level of fear that some people have. I remember talking to someone, a relative of mine, shortly after 9-11, well, as soon as the plane started to, to fly again, I bought tickets immediately. I was waiting. I'm cheap. I knew they would, they would be bottomed out. I went from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Jacksonville, Florida for pennies on the dollar. Took all my kids with me. We had a blast. It was unbelievable. Except when my daughter was trying to, to, to touch the M16s because there were camouflaged Marines in every airport and they were all over the place, you know, and it was, it was eerie. But we had a blast. Because it was cheap flights. But there was a lot... Why were they cheap? Nobody wanted to fly. Everybody was afraid. I remember... We got on that airplane. And we looked around and... Everybody was so tense. 
You could just see fear in people's eyes. Until my little daughter, who was very, very small at the time, she was just an older toddler, and she said, Daddy, i got to go to the bathroom. And I said, okay. So I opened that little door. We were right up at the front, and I opened the little door, and, and I said, now when you get in there, be careful because you're going to have to lift that little latch up if, you know, when you go in. Why don't you just not touch the door and just, I'll, I'll just watch because I'm only two seats away and you just use the bathroom and then you can just come on out because I wouldn't want you to get locked in there, okay? And, uh, and, and so she goes in and she closes the door and all of a sudden the door swings open. She goes, Daddy, the water, it is so blue. And everybody did exactly what you just did and relaxed a little bit. Fear grips and creates tension. I talked to a gentleman who flew many months later, and he said, I was mortified on a plane. He said, we got on that plane, and he said, there were, there were four Muslim men on that plane, and they were just doing weird and bizarre things. And he said, we all just, everybody on the plane got so filled with anxiety and fear that we could not hardly stand it. People were sweating. People were crying. People were getting their cell phones and texting. It was awful. It was all imaginary. It was something going on inside of their minds. And they were beginning to believe lies. And fear was gripping them. It can happen to the best of us. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, let me tell you this. These, these fortresses, these, these, these things that exist and they thrive, they, like I said, they're, in, they're, they're mindsets and they can be all over. But, but before we can really get victory over these things, strongholds in our minds have to be pulled down. Whatever Satan has built up in our thinking, it has to be disassembled. It has to be torn down and removed. Let me, let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Demolish strongholds. In other words, our weaponry can fight those thoughts and, and those, those uh, mindsets that have been built up and been reinforced by the enemy. Let's look at what the Bible tells us about a stronghold. In, in, in the Old Testament, a stronghold was a place that was used as a, as a means of protection from, from an enemy you know, or an intruder. They were fortified places of hiding. We find David in the, in the Scriptures hiding from King Saul in the strongholds of the desert. All right? 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14 says, David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert. Day after day Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. And you go down to verse 19, and it says, The Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah and said, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds of Horesh, in the hills south? Why was David in the strongholds? So that he was fortified, so that, that he was shielded. Why would the enemy create strongholds? So that he's fortified. So that he's shielded, if you will, alright? These were, these were structures. They were very difficult to reach. They were strategic. They were powerful, alright? They usually uh, were strongly protected. Now, on the flip side of that, a stronghold could also be a source of protection for us from the devil. As in the case where we read a few minutes ago, the Lord is our stronghold. 
And so you and I have a place of fortification. You and I have a place of protection. You and I have a place that is shielded. You and I have a place that is not easily accessible. And it is in the Lord. A stronghold could also be a a source of protection for you and I today from the devil as as when these thoughts and, and such come and they try to infiltrate our mind. If we have made the Lord Lord, we can, we can fight these things that the enemy tries to bring to us. I hated those days in childhood when I was fighting to not go to bed. I didn't know what to do. My parents were, they were totally frustrated. They, had, they were at their wits end. They didn't know what to do with me. I was keeping them up at night. And they had to go to work the next day. And they were angry with me. So I couldn't talk to my parents anymore because they're mad. I didn't have anywhere to go. I couldn't tell my friends because they would make fun of me and call me names. I was alone. I was by myself. And I didn't know what to do. And sometimes you and I need to realize that we find ourselves in that sort of place even as Christians. But Psalm 18 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is the shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He is. Not He can be, not He might be, not He should be. He is. He is my stronghold. But... 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us also that a stronghold can be a source of defense for the devil. Demonic activity, sinful activity. I'm not talking about you being demon-possessed. Please understand me clearly here, okay? This is not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that there is sinful activity. And if we are sympathetic to the messages of the enemy, in other words, if we like what we're doing, if it's getting us something... Why do people get angry? Because anger helps them get their way. Why do people get big when they get angry? Because they want to be bigger than the other person. And so they do whatever they can to get big enough to get their way. And there's a payoff to that. It's ugly, but it's a payoff. And so then the message gets fortified. All I need to do to get my way is to get angry. All I have to do is get mad enough. And if we don't get our way, then we we get a message that says, you weren't angry enough. If you get angry enough, you'll get your way. And so we get more angry. And it builds and it builds until it becomes a habit. You ever seen someone that's just angry? They're just mad all the time? It's a stronghold. It's a habitual thing. I'm here today to give you some good news. God can break those things off of us. God can come into those places and He can rip that stuff away. And here's the thing I want you to understand as we go forward here. And that is that there are a lot of things that we don't call fear, but fear is down in there. Pastor Dave and I were talking on the way in this morning. The most dangerous person isn't the person who says, I'm afraid. It's the person who says, I'm not afraid of anything. The reality is they said that because they're afraid. 
But any time we dismiss God from the scheme of things and from being involved in our deliverance and our safety and our care and our future, and we relegate ourselves to being totally independent to do whatever we think is best, it's not because we're bold and courageous and smart. We're fearful little idiots when we do that. We need God. We need God more than we need anything else. So the, this demonic activity, it, it can get set into our minds and we can begin to think the thoughts of the enemy and believe the lies of the enemy and he will reinforce those and he will fortify those and they will build up until they're quite elaborate and they're quite sophisticated and when they do, it's actually hard sometimes to even notice them or identify them. And sometimes the benefits and the rewards are so positive that we don't want to identify them. We were talking about a friend, a mutual friend of ours this morning who so smart, so together, so successful, just the upwardly mobile young businessman rah-rah, going after it all, can do it all, just, you know, he's just there. He always looks perfect. He's got it together. He knows exactly the right response. We've sat with him and we've talked to him and we've, we've you know, we've, we've cared about him, we've prayed about him. He's been to this church, this man I'm talking about, numerous times. Deep down, he's so insecure. And there's so much fear down in there. But you know what? It pushes him. And he uses it in this fall positive kind of way. And he's the, he's the solid guy who's, who's professional and on top of it and doing everything and works, you know, 90 hour weeks and whatever. And, and everybody's going, wow, look at you. Look at him. He's the guy. He's the man. Look at you go. You do it. And he's patting himself on the back and he's got it together. But the reality is that when he goes home at night, his life is under the covers just like everybody else's. And he's just trying to breathe and hide because he's just as fearful as the next person. I hope the Holy Spirit is doing something in your heart today because this is a place that we as the body of Christ have got to get free. The enemy is trying to scare us out of doing the will of God. Here's the good news. If you will walk with Jesus and you will allow the Spirit of truth to shine His light in the dark path of your mind or your soul, there are many areas of your thinking that are going to get exposed along the way and you're going to get free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's grace and there's power for you and I. But this is going to require something from us. And this is what it's going to require, folks. It's going to require that you and I repent. It's going to require that as we see these things exposed in our lives and these thought processes and these fortified uh, false beliefs and such, as they are exposed to us, 
And God has a way of doing that. I mean, God will just go right in there and He'll just pull your heart right out of your soul and He'll just slice it open and lay it open before you. And ever so gently, but ever so seriously, He will have you look at it. And the intent is not to shame you. God has promised that in Him you will never again be shamed. But He will show you your heart. And the intent is that you do something with that revelation. And that is that you repent and that you believe God. And when you do that, He will impart virtue and He will impart power into your life. And you will see strongholds fall and victory come. Now, I don't don't want to mislead you in any way. There will be pressure both from your own flesh because a lot of this will involve habitual things and there will be pressure from the demonic realm because the demonic realm will not want to give up control in your life. Guys, if you're going to the computer every night and you're looking at porn and you're masturbating and you're getting off on that, and it's making you feel better about yourself because you're in control of the act. And it's the best situation because it's all in your mind. Tomorrow night, you're going to want to do the same because the enemy has told you it's good. The enemy has now told you that that feels better. And so you'll keep feeding that and you'll keep feeding that. Sooner or later, you've got to see the condition of your heart and you've got to repent of that thing. But your body isn't going to want to do that. And the enemy's going to tell you, it's okay, it's just on the screen. These are lies. Those of you who won't enter into relationships because you're so afraid because you've been deeply wounded or deeply hurt and so you're fearful of a relationship of any kind. That is not the way God wants you to live. That is not the way God wants you relating in the body of Christ. He's put us together to be beneficial to one another and to bless each other and to help each other. To be connected, to be engaged, to build each other up, to care about each other, to encourage each other and to help each other get free. But if you're believing this lie that I don't need anybody else and I just need to close up and i got to protect myself, I was one of those guys. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just going to take care of me because if I take care of me, I won't get hurt. If you take care of me, I'm going to get hurt. I don't like getting hurt. Remember we talked about the trust issues last. This is where the trust issues go. When we can't trust God, ultimately we won't trust people either. If our love is an earthly love, it's, it's going it's to fall short. It's going to require the love that comes from God for us to be able to do what I'm talking about. So you've got to understand. Here's, this is key, all right? You've got to understand that the very energies that you are using, you, that you are expending in your life to keep your sins secret, are actually the very building materials that make a stronghold strong. All that energy you're using to keep that going, to continue to do those things that, that you're doing because of fear. That is what reinforces continually these strongholds of the enemy. You're going to have to be willing to make sincere repentance. I, I hope that, that helps you some right there. 
that's, that's, that's sort of a little mini teaching on strongholds in, in the midst of this. Um, but we got to get out of this. God is our stronghold. So we got we to get out of this, all right? Now, what would God want for you? If you, if, you are, if you are consumed with fear or fear grips you or you struggle with fear from time to time, whatever. And listen, I'm not, I, I'm not advocating or, 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 or predicting or thinking anything here, all right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that all of you go home and you cower in your closet in fear and you stay there until next Sunday. I, I don't believe that you do that. But I believe that there are aspects about our lives where fear comes in and it debilitates us or paralyzes us and we're not able to function properly. And I'm pretty convinced, I, I believe this, I'm pretty convinced and I, I welcome you to try to convince me differently if it's, if, if it's the truth, all right? But I, I fully believe that we are gripped with some fear in life church and a good part of that fear is keeping us from evangelizing and making disciples. It's keeping us in here instead of out there. Now, I really believe that. And I really want to challenge you to let God convict your heart in this area. What would God want for those of us who struggle with fear? Let me take you to Psalm 112, verse 6. I think I'm probably going to, going to quit right, right here quickly and we'll, we'll pick this up next Sunday, all right? Psalm 112. Verse 6, surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Verse 7, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8, I believe. Yeah, his heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. What would God have for you who struggle with fear? He would have that you would be steadfast in your heart that you would trust in Him, that you would, would live in a heart that is secure, that you would have no fear. That's what God wants for you and I. He doesn't want you timid. He doesn't want you cowering in fear. He doesn't want you backing up from the things that God has told you to do. I understand this, and we all wrestle with this to some degree. I told Pastor Dave as I was... Mentoring him, and, and I've told many of you this probably too, uh, in, in, in preaching, you know, the first number of years of my life, I get up every Sunday morning and throw up. Not because I ate bad pizza every Saturday night. It was because I was afraid to stand up in front of people and speak. I don't do that anymore. Well, hardly ever. But all through life, there are going to be things that are going to be unsettling to us. You know, you're going to get bad news. You're going to have difficulties. Circumstances are going to invade your life that are going to be harsh. But the key is that we know who we are in God and we know who God is and God is bigger and God triumphs over these things. And it doesn't stop us from doing what God has called us to do. Isaiah chapter 41, beginning at verse 9. I took you from the ends of the earth. From its father's corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I've chosen you and have not rejected you. That's a powerful verse for me personally years ago. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, there's the promise right there. 
What does God want? He wants you to be righteous and upheld. He wants you to be able to, to live outside of being dismayed by this, this world. How many times have you ever felt just totally overwhelmed and dismayed by what's going on around you? Let me give you a good example. There were many of you in this church and you fasted and you prayed and you gave up sleep and you did it for the longest time because you wanted to fight the abortion issue in South Dakota and you wanted to see God prevail and you believed that and you heard promises and you heard all kinds of things and election came and the vote was lost. And there were some of you walked out of this. I watched... I watched you walk out of this building dismay, hurt, struggling. And my prayer that night, election night, was God, do not let the enemy use this for his good. Do not let him stop us from doing what we know we are called to do. As God's people, we cannot give over to fear. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. I'm going to continue this next week because I have a lot more to say to you and I really, really want to say it. I want to challenge you and I that we leave here today very, very, very sure that God is in this message <laughs> and that God wants to deal with our hearts because God wants for us the best. And God wants that we not be afraid, that we do not fear or be dismayed. And I'm going to continue to talk to you a little bit more about that. And then I'm going to talk to you about the benefits of fearing God next week. We're going to talk about fearing the Lord. And then I want to give you about seven or eight things that I think are ways for you to live overcoming fear in your life and give you some practical things. And then I'd like to have us have a time of prayer and repentance together next week. So I don't want to rush any of that and try to get out of here in the next three or four minutes. Okay? Would you stand with me, please? How many of you would start this journey right now by asking God to bring revelation to you of your own heart? Okay? How many of you are willing to let God this week inspect you? That didn't say anybody else. Okay, wives, you're not being called to inspect your husbands. Husbands, you're not being called to inspect your wives. Friends, not to your friends. This is personal. But you will allow God, you will give God permission to search your heart. David said, search my heart, O God. See if there is any way that is wicked within me. Cleanse me. Wash me and I'll be clean. And then he says later on, then I'll teach sinners your ways. Let me just pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I would ask you that you by the power of the Holy Spirit, would search every person in this room this week. Would you bring every one of us back here next Sunday? And would you continue this ongoing work of sanctifying us and, and cleansing us? Would you begin to tear down the fortifications and the strongholds in the minds of your people? Would you begin to, to shift us as a church, God?
so that we're operating out of a courageous and bold spirit that is much like that of, of Caleb and Joshua. Would you give us this mountain called Sioux Falls? Would you do amazing things in our lives, God? And would you take away the grip of fear and break the yoke of fear over our lives? Renew our minds, cleanse our hearts, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.